I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 35 of the Stream Bucket Podcast. 2020, we're in the 20s. Yes. We're in the roaring 20s. It's our first show of the new year and we've all got our feather caps and yeah. suspender brace things on. Uh, the ladies are all wearing boas yes. and the, yeah, the feather things and the sparkly dresses down, oh, down oh, to the ankles. On oh, my peaky blinders. Yeah, yeah everyone's rocking Whatever that. Whatever that is. That sounded like a chicken. Trying to imitate, imitate a human language. Twenty twenty has got off to a absolutely terrible start. Yes, twenty twenty. We've we've stepped one foot into the future, mm. and that then got blown up in a nuclear holocaust. It's so bad. It's so bad. So let's recap. So we had so Australia is burning, burning to cinders. Yep, um, which is terrible. Um, the Pope slapped someone. Did you see that? Oh yeah, yeah. But that was her fault. But they did. <laughs> what did she do? So she she was walking past, shaking people's hands and stuff and whatever. And then one woman just grabbed his arm and pulled him to her. And he went, and he went, "Get took me." Oh, fair play. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. Oh, that's what. Okay, Popey. Well, there you off that one. But yeah. I don't know if it's an omen for something. Yeah, maybe. That's what. Yeah, that's um, what. Unless uh... the Pope shall strike upon an <laughs> Asian woman. <laughs> Causing the downfall of the future. Oh no. Yeah. And then to top things off, well, someone got gone blown up. Oh yes. On orders of the states. America's flexing its juicy, sweaty arms again. I saw um I saw a post on Reddit today where someone wrote, um, I think it was from Tinder or something, someone wrote A World War has never started just because some guy got assassinated. And that, uh, Oh no! But. But. The, the first one did! There's only been two! Sorry. One out of two of them have. One out of two yes. of the world wars. Yes. And the first one led to the second one. Yeah. How short people's memories are. I know, but yeah. Yes. So yeah, the world's ending. Um, we all knew it was coming. Yeah. Well, I suppose, yeah, it was meant to happen eight years ago. But There's it, another it, it, it omen didn't. as well. I was uh, overlooking someone's newspaper and it, all the headlines and the articles were were scary. They were all, uh, Brits can't eat meat anymore, so everyone's gone vegan. It's like all these little things. Uh, yeah, so Australia burning, of course, is terrifying. The highest amount of people ever in the UK to have never had a job. Yeah, r- really? That's, yeah, that's a, that, was a, that was on the news today. Ah. Which is weird. I guess we've reproduced a lot. Yeah, that's true. Maybe there's just loads of, of young people who are just been like, ah. And apparently, a lot of it's down to people saying, I don't want to work on a Saturday. <laughs> just do it. It's horrible. Everyone has to work a Saturday. It's part of growing yeah, up. Yeah, you have to do it. It's like a rite of passage. Yeah, and then you get a Friday, yeah. uh, Monday to Friday yeah. job. Don't want to fall into that trap of becoming someone yelling at the youth because they'll, tell, they'll say, okay, boomer. <laughs> they'll true. say, okay, boomer. That's my true. nephews did it to me. What? Ugh. My nephews did it to me on Christmas. I said to them, I said to them, you know what I don't get about this OK Boomer thing? It's like, if you were born in the 50s and then became a boomer, you wouldn't make any different decisions because it's all down to the society you were brought up in, right? And then the little one, Zach, he laughed at me, went, OK Boomer. And it was horrible. Uh, but he knows we're millennials, right? It doesn't matter because we're old. No, that's not what it means. That's what I thought, but they can just say it. It doesn't matter. You can say that. Say that. Argue the point. It's not what it means. Okay, Boomer. Shut up. Okay, Boomer. I'm a millennial. Okay, Boomer. I'm the people you complain that's about. That's all they can do. So they can just do that. They can just say, just don't say anything. They, you, you they have just to, say anything. Can they you have just to, make it up. They can just make it up. You have to be quiet. You, all you can do is be quiet or murder them. <laughs> that's mm. the only two choices. It is. Wow. That's, that's a disturbing... Well, I suppose, to be fair, millennials been misused for years. Oh, everyone, it's all over the shop, isn't it? Millennials, people complain about millennials to mean young people. Mm. We're millennials. Yeah. We're 30. We're actually millennials. Yeah, we are actually we are millennials. Actually we're millennials. right slap bang in the middle yeah. of being a millennial. Uh, who, what are they complaining about now? The Zeds? Generation Z? Yeah. Is it them? Is that Are they the next? I think my nephew's a Generation AA or something. What the hell is that? Well, what, what's after Z? They go back to the start. <laughs> they go back to the double start. Okay. I don't know if it's then a. Is it then A A B A? Are they batteries? Is that what's? Are they robots? Oh. Oh. Okay. 
Okay. It's enough. Enough. It's fine. Let's, enough. Get, let's get past this now. Enough. What are we doing on the show, Adam? Oh, the show. We're going to be talking about what's been happening in the decade. I feel like people are making a big deal about the new year, 2020. Yeah. But not very many people are making a big deal about the decade change. Yeah. Last year, last time, 2010, people made a massive deal about it. It's it's a big one. People were saying, you know, everyone goes, does a joke. I'll see you next year. Yeah. No one said, I'll see you next decade. It's like, dude, it's, yeah, it's a decade. And I didn't see, I was actually going to buy for once uh, New Year's Eve stupid glasses because it makes sense because there's two zeros. 2020, you can make the... What? You know on New Year's... Yes. You get the novelty glasses when the O's get turned into I into glasses. What? You know on New Year's when people wear like the year 2000, for example, people were wearing glasses and right. two of the O's were the I's. That's 20 years ago. Yeah, but you can do it on 2020 because there's two O's. You can make glasses out of oh. 2020. And I was going to get some and I forgot. I'm, but I didn't see any wearing any. You say, don't have a clue about it anyway. No, I don't. So it must be... I would not, never have... I haven't even seen... No one else is wearing them. They're a thing. They're a thing. <laughs> I wanted to be a have part... You ma- have you made it up? No, I haven't made it. I ha- sorry. I, ha- I haven't made it up. Are you sure? I haven't made... Don't... Look. I'm doing dry January. I'm only three days in. I don't need you to start <laughs> doing your thing. What were, you, what were we talking about? Decade. Decade. <laughs> so, you're looking back at some of the stuff that came out in the last decade. Yes. We're going to talk about... Ah, oh, well, yes, tragic news for, for people who know about it. Anyway, um, Sid Mead sadly died. Yes. Sid what? Mead is the concept artist behind everything I like. Uh, Alien. Alien, Blade, Blade Runner. Runner um, even the Atats from Star Wars. The most iconic Walker things ever. That scared the crap out of me as a kid. He designed all of it. It's an absolute visionary and a unique... I mean, how do you gain so much imagination where did it all come from for him to give so much back apparently he he worked a lot in uh, concept artists for like cars and stuff so it all came oh, so everything that came out of it was like a realistic depiction of a future architecture and vehicle and stuff. oh that makes loads of sense so he's not just an artist he was a he was a technical specialist as well so sadly he he passed away um so in tribute we watched the film there was a built off the back of his legacy. Yeah, we didn't. We decided to watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine because we agreed that it was our favourite of the two Blade Runners. Yeah, uh, even though he had minimal involvement. Although I did just read that he uh, he designed the Vegas section, so that all of that architecture was from. The original guy, as in with the Elvis projection, all of, all of the the Vegas architecture, oh, the city. Wow. So yeah, so we watched that in tribute to Sid Mead. Um, figured that everyone else would be watching Blade Runner anyway. Yeah, so this is slightly different. Um, but yes, uh, what else have we got? Uh, booby dip. Uh, a bit of Fortnite Schmort night. Oh yes. Um, news, not a lot of news for no. the new year. All right. All of the news has been sucked out by the real world news. Yes. So nothing is going on in film. Fair enough. Um, well, a few things. Uh, we've got what else we got? Well, we might just give you a little bit of an update on our projects as well. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I think that's it. Yes, yeah, get into it. Yeah, let's go. Let's kick off with the first of my two film reviews. Adam's film reviews. Jojo Rabbit, 2019. Here's Master Jojo. You're a top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today, you boys will be involved in such activities as war games. <laughs> Ambush techniques, them blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Russ? Of course you can. When I was your age, I had an imaginary friend. Got me in so much trouble. Kids, it's time to burn some books. You're growing up too fast. Ten-year-olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Hitler. I wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism. (laughs) Did you know Jews can read each other's minds? But how would you know if you saw one? They could look just like us. Hi. (coughs) You know what I am? Is it? A Jew. Gesundheit. 
Based on the book Cajun Skies by Christine Lunens, Jojo Rabbit was adapted and directed by the absolutely peerless Taika Waititi. Listed as a comedy drama, Jojo Rabbit introduces us to Jojo, a young boy living in Nazi Germany towards the end of the Second World War. Absolutely brainwashed into his love for Nazi Germany and Hitler himself, Jojo eats up the lifestyle of the Hitler youth. So much so, he's even accompanied by a ludicrous and childish depiction of Hitler himself, played by Taika Waititi. With a recently deceased sister and a father who long since disappeared from the family, despite protests that he's actually serving on the Italian front, Jojo has latched on to the boys club of the Hitler Youth, and it's while he attends what is essentially a Hitler Youth summer camp, under the command of the affable and dry-witted Captain Klesendorf, Jojo is bullied by the older kids by his apparent cowardice for not wanting to kill a rabbit. Hence the name. Get it? After being convinced by Brain Hitler that he needs to toughen up, Jojo attempts to prove himself, but ends up getting exploded by his own grenade and is rushed to the hospital. Scarred, humiliated and badly hurt, Jojo is returned home to be nursed by his mother Rosie, who manages to get him a job to keep him occupied. His main duties, putting up propaganda posters up around the town while she attends to her own work. But one day, having returned home early, Jojo discovers that his mother isn't exactly the model Nazi citizen. After investigating a noise in the house, Jojo uncovers a hidden Jewish girl called Elsa, whose mother had saved. Stunned, but unable to report Elsa for fear of his mother being arrested, Jojo and Elsa embark in a struggle for power in the home, but soon become quite dependent on each other. As the Nazi war machine crumbles around him, Jojo is faced with the realisation that not everything he believed was true, and that there are greater things out there in the world than blind hatred. Jojo Rabbit is, frankly, fantastic. Brimming with good-natured satire, laugh-out-loud visual gags, and a sprinkling of bittersweet coming-of-age drama, Jojo Rabbit set out to produce a blend of serious and sweet, and totally nails it. It goes without saying that Roman Griffin Davis, as Jojo, is a breakout star, with his childlike innocence playing through even while snapping hell Hitlers and spewing Nazi propaganda to his friends. Sam Rockwell and Scarlett Johansson are unsurprisingly charming on screen and Taika Waititi provides a much welcome laugh-out-loud comedy. Curiously, the Nazis in Jojo Rabbit aren't all that bad. Tonally, they come across no worse than the buffoons from the BBC Farsafon at Lower Low. Though there is risk, it's played down significantly, with much of the film's drama coming instead from the interactions between the characters. I've noticed some ill-feeling about this on social media, but surely the best way to prove the worthlessness of hate is to show evil for what it is. Dumb, pointless, and a little bit goofy. I read an interview with star Roman Griffith Davis saying that he showed the film to his classmates, many of whom didn't even know anything about the Holocaust, and asked them what the theme of the movie was. They replied, to see things through our own eyes and not someone else's. Well said. Jojo Rabbit is a feel-good masterpiece that will leave you laughing out loud and bawling with tears. Absolutely recommended. Nothing makes sense anymore. Yeah, I know, it's definitely not a good time to be a Nazi. Oh, Robert. Adam. I've got an article here. Yep. With the top ten films of the decade. Okay, let's go in. Specifically, the most ten most influential films of the decade. All right, okay. Right? I'm already annoyed by one picture, but go on. <laughs> I want you to give me a summary. If you've seen it, if your thoughts on that film. Okay. And I'll also provide commentary. So, these are the most popular films and the films that the NY Times love the most. Right, okay. First off, American Sniper. I have seen American Sniper. Um, it was a brutal and gritty insight into the world of this absolute, well, the best sniper in the world, though. He was branded as, wasn't he, this chap? Well, he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Kyle. Um, it was criticised at the time for being a little too patriotic, a little too, like, war hero boostery. Yeah, although I remember watching him not 
getting that violin at all. I didn't. It was pretty awful. It was, I didn't yeah, want to be in that It was horrendous. And he had to do some horrific things in it, and you saw him struggling with the decisions. Yes. Also notable for the worst prop baby ever. Yes, I do remember. I remember it was as well. yeah. awful. A plastic baby doll. It was rubbish. Absolutely. Yeah. But yes, very good. Clint Eastwood film. Mm. It's only looking forward to the next one. Clint what? Eastwood film. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was a sequel to American Sniper. <laughs> um, yeah, what's the, what's the, what's the next? Yeah. What's the next Clint Eastwood film? Uh, oh, what's it called? Richard something. Um, it's the fat guy of my Tonya gets right. accused of planting a bomb. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Secure your yard. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, whatever. We'll get to it we'll when get, it comes out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the Avengers 2012. Um, yeah, this is 100% of, of a hugely influential movie because it was the first sort of sign that they had really got it 100, like the formula. Big news. And it feels like a long, long time yeah. ago as well. It, it, worked, it worked very, very well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the team, you see, got all nostril flary and happy because the team worked together for the first time in New York. I remember um, particularly Captain America impressing me because he was actually being a hero. Yeah. He wasn't just showing off. He's directing the police and, yeah. and civilian control and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's the first time we all really came together and sort of sat predicted the next seven years of cinema. But anyway, Blackfish. Oh, my God. Blackfish. I was late to the party with Blackfish. When I did watch it, I was just... I mean, overcome by emotion in what... Didn't actually remember it was this decade. Blackfish blew me away. And it... now, this is we've got a divide, division here because I always thought SeaWorld was a bit weird. Hmm. And at college, you absolutely loved SeaWorld. Oh, yeah. I absolutely loved it. I, well, because I, I, killer whales were always my favourite animal. Orcas were always my favourite animal, whatever you want to call them. And um, my parents made a special point of when we went to Orlando of making that my birthday thing, the big event that we were going to do. And I mm. remember seeing it for the first time. I remember seeing Shammy for the first time. 12,000 pound male killer whale, absolutely ginormous, leaping out of the water and thinking, this is the most beautiful, incredible thing I've ever seen. My mat, my jaw was on the floor. And then you start hearing these rumours, and especially when this film came out. And when I finally watched it, I didn't realise the, the level of the psychological torture. Oh, it's awful. That these animals have gone through. They're the second smartest creature on earth to us. And they had to endure... It's basically us in a solitary confinement for our entire More lives. More so than dolphins? Yeah, they're smarter than dolphins. Really? Yeah, like, like their language is more articulate. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Blackfish is one of those documentaries I'd recommend to anyone. It has to be watched. Yeah, really does. Oh, God. Okay, Bridesmaids. Uh, I didn't watch it. You've not seen Bridesmaids? No. It's very good. It's very funny. Is it The Hangover for Girls? Is that sexist? A little bit, yeah. Is it? <laughs> Well, I enjoyed it, and I'm not a girl. Oh, I don't know. And I don't really like The Hangover. Oh, right, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, it's good. It's mm. good. There's a lot... It's toilet humour that probably is a bit over the top. Oh. That much might just be... What, so they go... Yeah. A lot. There's one bit that's... Um, Christian Wig gets really drunk on a plane. That's quite fun. Okay. Right. But yeah, no, it's good. It's it's Paul Feig probably at his best before he went a bit weird. Okay. But yes. Frozen. Uh, the original yeah great brilliant um, and uh, a film that hit not only with its story but also with its songs I mean Let It Go is going to go down in history of one of the all time great Disney songs at a time when we probably didn't know if they could make any more good Disney songs what a classic and it was quite an impressive little twist at the end as well yeah oh yeah, so, yeah. yes it's very good same about the sequel mm. next one get out ah oh, so good I mean I'm going to let you take it out because you you, you're get a huge out. fan. Yeah, I, I saw Get Out three times in the cinema. I, I don't repeat visits to the cinema. I'm not one of those people, but I took three separate groups of people to see Get Out. Did you really? It was so good, yeah. Properly amazing. Jordan Peele. I didn't know Jordan Peele at the time, really. I only know. I knew, I knew, there, there. I only knew him from Key and Peele. Yes. And that was, I mean... Like, I remember you saying to me at the time, you can tell by the directorial style that there is comedy it feel, training. Yeah, it felt like a comedy director. Yeah. And turns out, yeah, massively. Yeah, it was. That was all, we, you know, he did. Um, yeah, really, really, really interesting. Uh, okay, Hunger Games, the first one. I... No, sorry, the second one. Ooh. Catching Fire is what's down here. Oh, they're all... The second no, one. No, they've all merged into one for me now. But it wasn't my... It wasn't our generation. I think if I was... 18 and they all started coming out I'd be well on them maybe or, I, I really or maybe like 16 them. I really like them I think the it, the ending was a bit 
It did the thing that Harry Potter started, where they split the final part into two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Worked. Had that Harry Potter was a necessity, though. The trouble is, and Harry Potter did do it as well, what, you, what you've got then is you've got the build-up in one film, and then the payoff in the second, which yeah. means the payoff in the second is a bit boring. There's no threat. The threat was established in the first one. Yeah. So it's just all... And now we say the day. Yeah. Uh, That's true. That's but true. that means... But that does mean I tend to prefer the second to last film. Right. Because it's like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah, this is all going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Moonlight. Didn't see Moonlight. Didn't see Moonlight either. Bit of a critical darling. A Twitter darling, especially. Okja. Oh, this is our man, uh, Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho. Um, he is um, turning out to be one of my favourite directors, and I've only seen a few of his films. Because there's Okja, and there's also The Host. Have, did you see The Host? No. Oh, it's so good. It's about this horrible creature thing that like kind of kidnaps people. In okay. Japan and takes them to his nest, and they have right. to find... It's really, really good. Um, okay. And obviously he's got uh, Parasites just to come out. To absolutely rave reviews, which I'm going to cover a bit uh, in Fortnite yes. Fortnite, and Snowpiercer. Oh, okay, right. And Ojar's been on my list for a long time. I need to actually track it down and find it. There's some some uh, different people connected to it. I don't know what their connection is. Oh, I yeah. remember the trailer coming out. I just <laughs> I just completely forgot to watch it. Completely forgot about its existence. Hmm. Force Awakens, <sighs> Star Wars. <sighs> Someone somewhere decided that we wanted the exact same thing all over again with nothing new. And they said, okay. And that's all we need to say, really. Right. The write-up of this uh, is a bit annoying. Uh, it's mentioning that Space Opera tried to recapture the pop energy of the original three films while finding more room for women and non-white characters. The result was globally popular, but it also stirred up a backlash that exposed, not for the first or last time, an ugly reactionary undercurrent in modern fan culture. What? I didn't like it because the film was a bit rubbish. Why? Yeah, why is that? I don't like it when people say there's an ugly reactionary undercurrent when things are bad. This is what like, people said about Game of Thrones. This shows the toxicity well, of the fan culture. There is, there is a toxicity. There is, without I'm a sure doubt. sure there is, yeah. There... And they're ridiculous as well. But to dismiss critical opinion is yeah, a bit... I, yeah, that's hit the nail on the head. Um, I didn't like The Force Awakens because it was a bit... I don't know. I sort of remember... I remember the credits coming up and being like, oh, really? I, I just it? I just remember thinking, well, what was the point in Return of the Jedi when I saw an even stronger Empire back on the screen? How could they mm. possibly think that was the right way to go? But everyone said that already. I don't know. I'm just treading on old footprints for that. Yes. And that's 10. I mean, I suppose it's hard to argue The Force Awakens isn't pretty influential. Mm. It did start a wave of mediocrity yeah. <laughs> in cinema. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. That apparently is your 10 most influential. Have you got any other ones? Nothing in terms of influence. I mean, my favourite movie of the decade was probably Grand Budapest Hotel. But Really? Yeah. I'm, tr- well, I'm just trying to think. That's in my top 50 list, right? I would say uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I prefer Grand Budapest to Mad Max Fury Road. What? Yeah. What? Because I'm really? not. I'm not. I don't have a. I don't have the raging Mad Max uh, cucumber that you <laughs> pos- you possess. The studded. I, I have a yeah. The studded leather, rusty metal engine powered cucumber. But I do have Grand Budapest. Yeah, I do have a perfectly symmetrical, beautiful <laughs> cucumber. For Wes Anderson. I don't even think that's Wes Anderson's best film. It's my best Wes Anderson film. All right. Yeah. I think, and I can't, and I, Blade Runner 2049 is another, one of my favourites from, yeah, I can't, maybe my brain's just been rubbish, but this decade, the Godzilla film, 2014, but that wasn't perfect. Oh, I didn't like that one. Yeah. I preferred the more recent one. That almost went on to my top five of the year. Yeah. I, I would struggle to think of in this 10 years something I've been like um, hugely smashed by. Uh, oh, Logan. 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 Okay, Logan's up there. Uh, Arrival for me. Argo was great. I didn't see Argo. Well, did I? No, I might have seen Argo. No, I didn't. Do we just skimming through a films that came out list? Oh, uh, Ragnarok, obviously. Um, 
if that comes up, well, whether it does or doesn't. Captain Phillips. That's good. That's pretty significant. Drive. drive. We are human beings. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. Sicario. Oh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 is very good. Birdman. I did love Birdman when it came out. Hmm. Have a look, listeners, at what came out in the last decade. Oh, Let us know uh, what you think. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, Fury. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, so, okay, some good films. Think you say the Soldier Spy. I just thought that was last decade. Oh, Free Billboards was really good. Dread is one of my favourites. Hunt for the Wilder People, great film. It's oh, been quite a good decade. It's been an alright decade. It's been a pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if you compare it to... Well, I won't go on about it, but I mean, in the decade before that was the decade of The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings. And The Lord of the Rings. And there's nothing really been as good as that. So we can move on now. That's, that's what I wanted to say. It's all right. Don't worry. Just needed to make sure everyone knew. <laughs> all right. Canon Films. The home of high-powered, high-voltage motion picture entertainment. With the screen's biggest spectacles, brightest stars, and boldest lineup of explosive entertainment. We're taking motion picture excitement over the edge and your box office over the top. We're Canon Films, and we're Dynamite. Oh, mademoiselle, would you like to have a film discussion? Oh, yes, monsieur. I'd love to have an in-depth film discussion with you, like I do on Scream Bucket. It's time to talk about Blade Runner 2049. Yay! Now, we chose this film because we mutually decided we prefer this to the original. I love the original, but 2049, I prefer. Yeah. You have changed your mind slightly. I think Blade the original Blade Runner is more enjoyable from a sort of adventure uh like you said film noir perspective. Um it has a happier ending to a certain extent. Um yeah. Uh, and then this new one it's a lot more dystopian, a lot more gritty, um a lot more there's so many more moments in it when you're like, ooh, God, ow, that's horrible. So many horrible deaths in it. Yeah, true. I mean, there was a few horrible deaths in the first film, but yeah, I see what you mean. But the, like, we're saying the sound of the deaths as much yeah. as how they looked. Yes. I was just watching the uh, the extras to the film, and um, the dystopian was deliberate. Yeah. It was supposed to be 20 years after, 30 years after the original film. Humanity's got worse. Yeah. Say just about saved by the fact they could make they could grow food. Or, yes, um, I think it's implied that humanity is on its last legs, and now it's people are just trying to survive rather than yeah live. They're living to survive. That's why they're eating grubs and you know. And also the extras in the original film, Blade Runner was more wet and rainy. It was. And there was a lot more time to pause and appreciate in the first Blade Runner. For example, when Deckard goes and gets his noodles and you're just kind of yes. immersed in the, yes. okay, these people are enjoying city life, he's in it. That Apparently, that, since, that was based on London. That was based on Ridley Scott knowing rainy London. Oh, really? Whereas, whereas in Blade Runner 2049, um, it was modelled on Montreal, so it's much more snowy and ashy and cold. Oh. Because that's where uh, Denis... 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 Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Oh, wow, Adam. You got that right first time. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. Wow, it's so incredible how well you pronounce that name. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Yes, I learnt it from Kiwi's Burnt Toast, a, a small-time YouTuber who posted a very good video. Yes, here it is. Today we're going to learn how to pronounce the name Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. I apologize if I said that incorrectly. Directed by Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. 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 Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis 
Villeneuve. Director Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Oh, is that how you say his first name? Denis Villeneuve. Directed by Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. I don't know. Director Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. I try to say it all right. I try to say it right all the time. I never get it right. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. No. 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 Give me a sec. I'm looking it up. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Who cares what the f his name is pronounced? Anyway, yes. Yeah, so. What were we say? Blade Runner, 2049. So yeah, so the dystopian element and the coldness that you said you felt mm. was deliberate. Yes. Does that change? Well, no, it, watching it again didn't make me think any less of the film. I still absolutely okay. love it. Um, I just, I think maybe I'm coming from an angle of sometimes they offer two different things. Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner is a warmer film. This is a colder film. Okay. It's as simple as that. Fair I enough. Think. Enjoyment-wise, the the first one pegs it. But, you know, like I, I said to you, just as we started watching it today, God, I wish we were watching it at the cinema. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously the first one is vis- visionary. Visionarily. Um, <laughs> massively influential. But this, oh, yeah, this, huge. But, but this film, I mean, it just takes your breath away with some of those things. And it all looks so real. Well, yes, that was deliberate as well. I think with the with nowadays effects... Compared to um, 1982 with the first film, it is easier to make things look real. But the sets are all real, the lighting's all real. They yeah. make a big deal about that in the in the special features. Every civilization was built off the back of a disposable workforce. But I can only make so many. Shh. Happy birthday. There is an order to things. That's what we do here. We keep order. The world is built on a wall that separates kind. Tell either side there's no wall. You bought a war. 30 years after the events of the first film. Mm. We're back to LA. Yeah. The replicants who were bio-engineered humans, not robots. Everyone used to think they were robots. Mm. They're definitely people who were built to be a slave race. A slave race, but a stronger mm. human. They are the, obedient, but they can take a pummeling. It's kind of... It's talked about more in this film as opposed to the original, but it's also in the book. Um, humans have, have actually left Earth, and they're in all the colonies. Earth's what's left behind. So Earth's all the dregs of society, all the people who can't afford to leave. So the replicants were made to build the colonies and mm. to fight in the wars that were happening out of space. And some of them were just coming back to Earth, just trickling back. Did you ever get that vibe? No, I didn't get the whole trickling back vibe. It kind of went over yeah. me. Yeah, I think in the first film, they're going to find right. their creator. This one, they're just or they're just scattered and they're just coming back whenever. So it's the Replicant 8. Um, it's the Nexus 8. Nexus 8. Which is a model that can live extended periods of time. Previous to that, and in the first film, they have uh, set shelf lives. Yeah. They only live so many years. And we're introduced. Well, we first of all we meet uh, Kay. Yes. Um, and then we meet Batista, whose who's name is <laughs> Batista in the film. Actually, funnily enough. Um, but no. So Kay is um, he is himself a replicant, but he's he's a new model. He's a new model. He's a new model that he's a replicant Blade Runner. Obey. Yeah. That's the key thing. They they're much more regulated and controlled. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so we follow Kay as he arrives in a farm, a protein farm outside of LA. Yeah, so being operated by a rogue replicant. A rogue replicant who is growing maggots in his farm. Lovely, juicy, grubby maggots. Oh yeah, they look delicious. They look mm. really, really, really nice. I don't take them here. Take a look inside. Mr. Morton, 
if taking you in is an option. I would much prefer that to the alternative. I'm sure you knew it would be someone in time. I'm sorry it had to be me. Retiring is such a cool word. It isn't is it? a very cool For word. Executing someone. Yeah. You've been retired. Um, yes, and sure enough, because it's a massive wrestler man. Yes. There's some such a spoiler. As soon as he walks in, they're going to fight. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. And um, it's kind of a show. There's. There's, I wouldn't say he's blank, but there's like a condescending sympathy from Kay. Like, he's just saying to him, like, come on, man. Come on, I don't want to hurt you. Well, yeah, he's just... He comes across as bored. Yeah. But it's because he's emotionless and I he like just wants to, yeah. to get it done efficiently, I suppose. Yeah. And he's slightly threatening with everything he says. He says, I'd like mm. to get the hard part of my day out of the way before I eat. <laughs> yeah. It's just things like that. And then to show the fact that um, he's... A bit it can take a bit of a pummeling. Um, Batista, you know, absolutely destroys him. He just knocks him through that wall, smashes him around the head continuously against the wall, pushes him in, mm. gets on top of him. He gets stabbed in the arm, but he doesn't care. Doesn't really notice. Doesn't yeah. really notice. Yes. And he kills him in the end by just shooting him a couple of times. But not before. The Replican mentions... I mean, what The conversation is something like, um, why, why do you want to rebel why don't you just obey mm. oh, no no it's the other way around it's you obey because you haven't seen a miracle yeah Ooh, what does that mean and sure enough after Kay retires this uh, replicant he spots something he spots uh, a grave basically scans the base of this tree and finds a box which is revealed to be a, uh, an ossuary of bones yeah Ooh. who could that be and they, upon taking it back to headquarters, they analyse the bones. They see not only are these the bones of a replicant, but the replicant died during childbirth. <gasps> oh, something that is, as everyone knows, impossible. Yeah. How has this happened? Ooh, mysteries are afoot. Indeed. So Kay gets uh, the mission to track down the, the child and to retire them before anyone finds out about it. Because when news of replicants giving birth comes out, that's the end. That's yeah. the end of the world. That's it. War, apparently. As far as uh, his boss is concerned, especially. Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, he's also trying to be roped in by uh, Jared Leto, his character. Um, what's his name? Who's working for the company that took over from... The Tyrell Corporation just fell through between the first and second film. Um, and he was taken over by Neander Wallace, played by Jared Leto. Yep. Um who has just got the biggest dog complex. So in the first film, Tyrell had a massive pyramid in LA. Now there's an even bigger pyramid! <laughs> That's Wallace's place. Um, while trying to track down the the uh, genetic code that was in the bones of the young woman, uh, Kay finds his way to the Wallace's thing and meets Love. L-U-V Love. Yeah. Another replicant. Mm-hmm. The secretary of Wallace. This is one cold lady. Another prodigal serial number returns. A 30 year old open case finally closed. Thank you, officer. I'm here for Mr. Wallace. I'm love. He named you. Must be special. I'm here for Mr. Wallace. Follow me. More than anyone else, she's got the look of the noir femme fatale. Right, yeah. Whereas a lot of that element seems to have been dropped in this film. But she's definitely got it. Yeah, in spades. Um, and she takes on this, especially she starts finding out more about what Kay's after. And they themselves are curious. And Because their motive is because he can't produce those replicants at a high enough rate to satisfy what he wants to do. He wants to make millions of replicants to make trillions of replicants. Yes. So he can, I assume, profit. Or not even profit. I think what you said about the God complex is absolutely right. Oh, he just wants he, to be... He desires that power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he um, he mentions that Torrell, the final thing he did was make replicants be able to have babies. Mm. Which is Rachel from the first film. Um, 
that kind of extra new prototype model, which Wallace has never been able to perfect. Ooh. In fact, you see him try. You see another one get born out of a plastic bag, yep. and he brutally kills it. Yeah, in a very extended talky scene. I think there's something I mentioned to you. This film tells its story visually. Right. It's beautiful to look at. Um, um, Roger Deakins was the cinematographer, and he went to such lengths to make the film visually really interesting. Oh, I nailed it. All this lights and stuff. So in Wallace's um, secret super villain lair, it's all like water and yellows and golds, and mm. it just looks incredible. Um, and that's where this film sells itself. Visually, it tells the story. Yeah. You can put it on mute and know what's going on. Ah, oh, massively. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you accused me last year of overusing the term duvet film. So in every movie you watch is a duvet movie, you want to watch it in your duvet. Yeah. But I think Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 are like the king. They sit at the top of that pile. Yeah, They're... especially if it's raining outside. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> be in a dark room and just be absorbed into those colours and yes. shades and shapes. is Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, it's, it, that's, that's the key thing. What, is, what does lack from Blade Runner 2049 is the dialogue. Jared Leto has a big, long monologue about life and God and blah, blah, blah. I can tell you a single line from that. Neither could I, no. And I've just watched it. Yeah. Blade Runner is full of quotable lines. It's full of things that you would put on a poster, on a t-shirt. It is full of, yeah. But you've had Blade Runner in your life since your childhood, haven't you? So. Well, yeah, true. But they still stand out, I think. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. Like, Blade Runner, when you watch it, well, when I watch it... I will mouth along with some of the thing because it's so like, oh, that's awesome, that statement. I couldn't tell you a single line from 2049. Well, another argument to that is that Deckard is, has, in the original Blade Runner, has a lot more charisma than K does. Yeah, deliberately so. Yes, yeah, so, well, someone was moaning on the internet, I was just reading, about him having no character development. But... What? What? K. But I was thinking, A... This is a, a very classic Ryan Gosling-esque performance where it's quite subtle. He's always very subtle in his performances. And B, there's a lot of character development. There's, and he has a very good story arc. More, more so than Deckard but, in the first film. If you take that first film individually... Yeah. Kay's got way more story. So, that's, so while Kay's on the trail of this child, he is encouraged by Joy... His holographic girlfriend. Yes. Who believes that he's special. I always told you, you're special. Your story isn't over yet. There's still a page left. She tells him what he wants to hear. Mm. And as he goes through this adventure, he starts feeling like he is involved a lot more. There's a thing where he has implanted memories. He himself is a replicant, and he's had memories implanted uh, to have a fake childhood. But these memories are following along with what he's discovering. Yeah, they're crucial. He starts feeling like maybe he's the son. Yep. And his joy is saying how special he is. She gives him a name, Joe. And he starts feeling like, oh, maybe I'm the messiah here. Starts tracking down Deckard, not just because that's his mission, but because it's his desire. It's his dad. Yeah, and as well, there's that whole thing of him trying to find meaning despite not having a soul. His commander says to him, "Oh yeah, yeah, you don't, you couldn't, you're, you're, you're doing just fine without one. Don't yeah. worry, because he's saying, oh, this, per- this, if you're born to be born is to have a soul. So then he's kind of shut down with that. Yeah. So it's kind of the journey of maybe I do have a soul. Yeah. What Joy says, yeah. you are a woman born. Yeah. So you've got a soul. Oh. Find out. So. And then, of course, right, so yeah, to, to speed things through, it turns out, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but life is miserable, <laughs> you are not special, you are a cog in the machine. Yeah. End of film. Everyone, you, even the people you love are just telling you the things you want to hear. Oh, yeah. Uh. There's a very strong, there's a one, one moment where he's walking across the bridge and he sees the hologram of um, pretty much another model of his girlfriend of his girlfriend who has no idea who he is but still refers to him as Joe because it's what he wants to hear you look lonely I can fix that 
look like a good show. It's heart wrenching. Like, oh, you're nothing. That's that's one thing. Twenty forty nine. I feel sorry for Kay. I never felt sorry for Deckard. He was just he was just cooler and easier to. I think he more accessible to enjoy. I wouldn't say like he's more enjoyable. Oh no, think, no, not at all. I wouldn't say that. But Deckard, it, Harrison Ford has this thing in every role where he's just. I I want to be yeah, Deckard. Yeah, I want to be that's hundred percent. I want it. to be Han Solo. I don't want to be Kay. I feel sorry for him. No, no, no yeah, that's it. That's that, it. In a nutshell. I feel sympathy, and therefore it, it does bring it out of you. There's one final shot. Well, it's not the final shot, but towards the end, there's a bit, and it's the Blade Runner music starts playing, and it's like, oh, I'm pretty sure I cried the first time I watched it. Uh, like really stood out. And I've the, I mean, it's the scene in the waves the scene on the beach oh, on the when sea, it is. yeah the it's such an incredible final scene it's so and it's wonderfully lit again and it's it's so unique like i haven't quite seen a final act like it like yeah it's very very well carried out i mean except the water's really clear yeah you said the water was looked too warm it looked didn't too you? warm it's supposed to be the freezing cold pacific yeah yeah anyway that's just personal. So yeah, so we the reason we watched it was was for Sid Mead. Mm. Sid Mead designed these flying cars, this this world of giant architecture and holograms and advertising boards. Um and in twenty forty nine specifically Vegas, with its empty shells on the horizon all lit in dusty, awful, dirty sunlight, mm. as opposed to the rain of LA. Ah, it's just wonderful, and I think it's one of those films that is as much art as story. Oh, easily. And this is another thing with uh, Denis Villeneuve. 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 Yes, Villeneuve. Yay. Um, Arrival's the same. It, you could have this stuff on the wall, Yeah. and you can admire them Yeah. as art. Definitely. Blade Runner, especially when he's walking through the dust and, you know, and walking through... Because it, it, it always looks real. It's not. It doesn't look like some CGI uh, splurge. Oh yeah, no. it just looks so genuine and authentic. It could 100 percent be like you know. It, the other thing with art. the the special features, something that stood out to me was they said that this is a future where Steve Jobs didn't exist. Right. Function over form. Right. There's no iPhones. There's no touchscreens. Everything's clicky and pressy, oh. and, and that really appeals to me as well. Yeah, and that's definitely Sid Mead. Mm. Uh, inspired he of course with alien and aliens it's the same you're pressing pressing buttons. things yeah not like and, it, and you can't you can't credit ridley scott with any of that because as we've seen with prometheus he's he just, doesn't give it he doesn't doesn't care about that he just wants things hmm. so <laughs> ridley scott sid mead is the one yeah also denis villeneuve the <laughs> absolutely sterling job yeah i mean you can't do better than that. No. One thing that I would say about Blade Runner as well, the original, is it did influence probably like one of my favourite time splitters, two levels. <laughs> Neo Tokyo. Yes. Oh, so good. I don't know why, why that just popped into my Let's head. Let's just sit. Let's just sit Let's quietly just sit for a while and think about time splitters. Yeah. Green Bucket, Adam and Rob. A new Star Wars game, you say? Is it Knights of the Old Public 3? Is it a new Jedi Knight game? No? Oh god, it's another Battlefront game, is it? No? Really? It's set between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. It's from the makers of Titanfall and Apex Legends. Okay, I'm interested. It's going to be similar to Battlefront though, isn't it? Just maybe better? No? It's a third-person action-adventure game from Respawn. You actually play as a Jedi. Okay, okay, I'm I'm liking the sound of this. Mix Respawn's ability to storytell and their traversal mechanics with Jedis and surely we're into a winner. Hang on. It's a secret Dark Souls clone. No, 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 no. This is going to be hell. Why would they make a Souls-like in the Star Wars universe? Why would they ruin my beloved Star Wars with difficult, broken game mechanics and frustrating combat? 
Ah well, maybe I'll give it a go, it is a Star Wars game after all. This was my inner monologue, as more and more information was revealed about Respawn Entertainment's latest game, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I was very excited until I heard it was a Souls-like. I hate Dark Souls, I hate Bloodborne. I liked Sekiro a little more, but still it wasn't fun. But then I played Fallen Order, and I realised something. The problem with Souls-likes is not the challenging combat or punishing game mechanics, it's the developers. From Software clearly deserve credit for reinventing a whole genre of action-adventure games, but Respawn Entertainment have mastered it. There are no broken mechanics here, only a perfectly structured game with a wonderfully thought-out combat system and exceptionally enticing storyline, and a group of worlds that are so varied and interesting with challenging puzzles throughout that keep you coming back for more. In Fallen Order, you play as Cal, a Jedi Padawan who has gone into hiding after the events of Order 66. You are working on the planet Bracca, helping to dismantle ships and equipment left over from the Clone Wars. That is, until you are forced to use your force powers to save a friend. And that's when the Inquisitors come for you, basically Jedi Hunters. You escape Bracca with the help of some unlikely friends, a former Jedi called Seer and a grumpy ship captain called Grease. You'll meet a plethora of interesting and unique characters along the way, including BD-1, your helpful little droid that joins you at all times, travelling on your back and helping you with difficult puzzles and providing you with the occasional stim to heal you. He's a fun little droid who occasionally hums well-known Star Wars battle tunes as he climbs aboard enemy droids to hack- What's that I hear you thinking? I can name every character. Oh yeah, that's because these characters are memorable. I honestly can't remember the last time I played a Star Wars game, or any game for that matter, where I knew the names of all the main characters without looking it up. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is exactly what the Star Wars game franchise needed. It's no wonder Mr Zampella, head of Respawn Entertainment, has been rewarded with rejuvenating another of EA's lethargic game studios. He is proving yet again why he is one of the greats of the games industry, building great teams around him that seem to be well tuned to what fan bases and general gamers actually want. Bravo Respawn, let's hope you're the future of EA and they don't do what EA always do and work you into nothingness. If you have any money left over after Christmas, I implore you, go out and get Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. This is, without a doubt, the best game that came out last year. Hot diggity dog, it's Scream Bucket with Adam and Raul. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnight. And we're going to start off with a bit of a sad one. Um, Derek Okora has passed away, age 69, after a very brief illness. Uh, this is a man who entertained millions during his time with Most Haunted, and will certainly be remembered as one of the most larger-than-life characters of ghost-hunting paranormal television. It's insane how swift this illness took him. Um, you mentioned that he was posting on social media as recently as Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. And now now he's gone. Well, he's actually on a video of Christmas Eve, oh. wishing everyone have a Christmas. Oh, crazy. This is the man who made you hate ghosts, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, I just I couldn't get into it with him. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, he definitely had con man charm. Yes. Um, but, you know, despite the controversy and, you know, the fact that, I mean, he was faking a lot of it. He nevertheless a very entertaining, oh absolutely, and, absolutely, you know, fantastic character. He had shows booked in February and May, and um, yeah, it didn't seem like he was very ill in that video. It's just happened. Now the question is, and I'm not, I'm not, genuinely not taking the Mickey here. How long is it before we get a TV episode where someone summons him? <laughs> God, I, mean, I don't know. It, that sort of medium psychic stuff feels like it's gone a bit now. Mm. Ghost hunting now is more. Big burly men with gear. I mean, someone already, I imagine, has got their Ouija board out and said, Derek. Oh, God. I yeah. guarantee it. Yeah. Anyway, rest in peace, Derek Okora. Rest in peace. Um, the first Sam Raimi produced grudge reviews are in and they are bad. <laughs> Directed by Nicholas Pesky. Um, I didn't even know it was out yet. Uh, well, I think there's been some early screenings. Okay. Uh, the film's announcement initially raised a few eyebrows as much of the horror community growled why in unison why is this film well, being remade yes. why has it been rebooted question appears to remain unanswered the Hollywood reporter's John DeFore writes 
It's hard to remember a recent movie in which so many jump scares have failed so completely. In one or two spots, characters linger, staring so long at something that's about to go boo, that viewers have time to chuckle, then resent the long wait. I suppose... <laughs> yeah, that's just not good. Um, but... I guess it's lucky Raimi's uh, recently ex- expressed his desire to go back to more Evil Dead, but... I don't know, I feel like maybe go away. Yeah, because it, cause there's this... Time may be passed. Two things about that, so there's not going to be Bruce Campbell there anymore, which is fine, you know, he's, he's done his work. But he's not directing this Evil Dead either. And it's this whole thing which is starting to annoy me, of they say the producer to big up the film yeah 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 they yeah, did it with yeah, Peter yeah. Jackson with the, yeah. the city walking film they keep doing it oh, they've been doing it for years it's just a thing but it's come it's up like, um, it's coming up more and more though isn't it? it well yeah there's a lot of trying to sell to be fair though when you've got an original idea when it's not a sequel or a remake mm. anything they can do to make that a success yeah. is fine by me right okay do you know what I mean well, like, if, sell if yourself. it's an original idea right. like that stupid scene which is rubbish. Yeah. Uh, but it was still an original idea. It wasn't a remake. Yeah. So, yeah, push yeah, it, push put, it, push put it. Put PJ behind it. Okay, fair enough. Um, this is a v- vaguely exciting um, for us us lots, us lovers of um, strange grindhouse-style movies. And yes, like. yes. Uh, Danny Trejo has been cast in Glenn Danzig's Death Rider in the House of Vampires. What? <laughs> that sounds awesome. Dubbed by someone as the Spaghetti Western of Vampire Movies... D-R-T-H-O-V, as I'm calling it. No, I've got to say the title again. Death Rider in the House of Vampires. Currently has um, Devon Sauer already cast. Some of you will know him from Final Destination, Idle Hands, and more importantly, he plays Stan in the music video for Eminem's Stan. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? I know that. Yeah, that's a good, a good video. Uh, Sauer will star as the, t- the titular Death Rider. Whereas Danny Trejo will play Bella Latigo. Glenn Danzig. <laughs> Glenn Danzig has excitedly exclaimed, Everybody in the movie is a vampire, so you don't need to wait around to see a vampire. They're all effing vampires. <laughs> okay. He's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like, I like it. Board. I like it when they say, We have gone 120% with everything. Because it's fine. Oh, I'm on board with this. Yeah. Is it out? I don't know. It's in, oh, produ- it's in, it's in production, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we talked earlier about Bong Joon-ho. Parasite has been named Best Picture by Australia's AACTA Awards. Now, I need to see this film. I think A-A-T-C-A. AACTA, mate. I say AACTA, okay. Yeah. Um, I've managed to avoid everything about Parasite. I haven't watched a trailer. I don't really know what it's about. I'm going yeah, in com- I've avoided it all as well. I'm going in completely blind, and yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be good. What's but- it? Is it coming out cinema, or...? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Keep an eye out for that. Nothing. Yeah, but we really... I mean, that's on the level of The Lighthouse in terms of films I want to watch now. What's The Lighthouse out? When is The Lighthouse... Google that whilst I read the last uh, the last thing. Because uh, this is a rubbish one. Todd Phillips has expressed his desire for a Batman movie set in the world of his Joker movie. He said, It's a beautiful Gotham. Way to blow smoke up your own hoop. What I would like to see someone tackle is what Batman looks like from that Gotham. Now my answer to that is... No, Adam. I don't want a Batman set in that universe because there's been enough serious Batman for now. I agree. Can we not have the camp neon 90s Batman? I again? would like... I would like... It could be set in the same Gotham. It could be set in the same Gotham uh, without a problem, but I would like more origin stories individually of all the villains. Yes. Yeah, I want a Riddler one. I want a, you know... I see what the Penguin was doing. Yeah. <laughs> we should watch the TV series for that. Very good. Yeah, but I want to see it in the Joker style. I think. Right. That top, still with Todd Phillips. Just seeing that kind of. Yeah. Interview, we don't need a Batman. Do all the vague ones as well. We don't need a Batman. Col- do we? A Calendar Man. Yeah. Catch uh, up, dude. Sausage face. Uh. Or poison ivy. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Right, 31st of Jan is Lighthouse, 7th of Feb is Parasite. Oh, mate, well, that's when I'm getting my Cineworld membership then. That's when I'm getting my cinema me- membership, yeah. You should do it now. What are you waiting for? Uh, well, just wait, and then wait until I've got money. I've spent all my money. <sighs> anyway, that's that so concludes Fortnite Schmortnight. Yes, yes, yes. Adam's Film Reviews. The Gentleman, 2020. There once was a young and foolish dragon. 
who came to ask a wise and cunning lion about acquiring his territory. Now, the lion, he wasn't interested, so he told the little dragon to fight. The dragon, he persisted. Oh, goody. He started a war. So the lion took the little dragon for a walk and put five bullets in his little dragon head. He's warming up now, isn't it? There's a message in there. Maybe you can explain it to me. The young succeed the old. Enjoy the show. Bang, 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 bang. It's gonna get messy. I forgot to wash my hands. Going back to his gangsters and London roots, The Gentleman is the latest film from tough guy and Madonna survivor Guy Ritchie. Starring an ensemble cast, The Gentleman opens on Raymond, an OCD henchman with a taste for the finer things in life, returning home to find sleazy private detective Fletcher, played by an unrecognisable Hugh Grant, waiting for him. See, Fletcher has a story he would like to share with Raymond. A story of intrigue, deception, murder and money. And it can and it can all be Raymond's for the cool sum of twenty million pounds. And that includes the originals and digital backups. Fletcher begins to tell the tale, with evidence, of Raymond's boss, Mickey Pearson. Trying to back out the gate Mickey Pearson. Isn't he Rodney's friend in Only Fools and Horses? So this Mickey Pearson is trying to back out the game and retire comfortably. Over the years, he's built up a cannabis empire in the UK. By sharing the profits with the landed gentry to maintain their estates, Mickey has been able to create huge farms of weed on the properties of the lords and ladies of Great Britain, unseen and hidden from his competitors. But it's time to retire, and Mickey aims his sights at an international businessman, Matthew Berger, to buy out his business for about half a trillion pounds. Except it isn't as easy as that. Berger has other ideas and sets out to lower the value of Mickey's business through deception, double dealings, and the classic Guy Ritchie formula that sees the involvement of Chinese gangsters, an underground fighting league, and a whole lot of confusing mess in between. Mess that, sure enough, Fletcher knows all about, and has taken plenty of photos to prove it too. Photos that would likely be worth a whole lot to the media. Now there isn't a whole lot more I can say about the gentleman without throwing myself headlong into a spaghetti junction of twists and turns, only to say that any fan of Guy Ritchie will walk out of the gentleman perfectly satisfied and get a nice, neat slice of London gangster action. It just feels... past it. Like Matthew McConaughey's Mickey Pearson, it feels like Guy Ritchie is just going through the motions here. Every character feels old, weighty, and seems to just rather be doing something else. One sequence, which was a highlight, involved a bunch of burly manly men running around a council estate after a bunch of sprightly chavs, and it couldn't have been a better metaphor for the whole film. It feels old, dragged out, and the whole thing just feels like it wants out. Colin Farrell, another highlight, brought a good shot of energy to his performance as coach, but his character just wanted out the whole time too. The gentleman was supposed to be Richie going back to his lockstock roots, but all I can see is a filmmaker carving a path through his retirement. Like Mickey, Richie seems to just want out, and just can't afford to make himself look weak. That's not to say that The Gentleman wasn't a fun watch, there's plenty of sharp, sweary lines, action and excitement for anyone. It certainly had a more classy feel to the events, it just lacked the bite of Guy Ritchie's earlier work. It's safe to say that this one isn't necessary viewing. Watch it for a quick laugh, but don't expect to be blown away. There's only one rule in this jungle. When the lion's hungry, he eats. Oh, 2020. 2020, the year that our work, our hard, hard work of 2019 will bear fruit. Yes, fingers, <coughs> fingers crossed. God, yeah. yes. Boggers is now at the final, final stage-ish. Uh, Editing is full-blown process now. Um, I just need the time to finish it. Mm. It's driving me mad. We'll be releasing behind-the-scenes videos and photos to our Patreon supporters um, as we come up to the final stages of release. Yes, Ooh. mental. And it will be coming to a screen. It will be a public showing. Um, obviously, in our local area of North Hertfordshire, and North. maybe London, if we get around to it. 
Yes, Letchworth is definitely in my viewfinder. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. For the wider international audience, um, well, it'll go online somewhere. It'll I just go online. Out where yet? Um, so we're now at the stage where, as it's in post production, we need to start really pushing the marketing. Really, so poster we need to get finalized. Yep. Soundtrack. Yep. Uh, somehow um, we we're looking at film festivals and film competitions throughout the year which um yeah instantly we, if you do if you are an artist listening to this do get in touch with us on twitter at screen underscore bucket because it'd be awesome to get some uh painted versions of our posters done 100 percent, yeah that'd be really cool and some abstract versions. I want to see something from a, the the mind of a, a strange lunatic from oh, yeah. Belgium who lives in a clock tower and <laughs> only speaks to pigeons. If they can make, draw us a Quaggers poster, for example, that'd be fantastic. Well, yes, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Similarly, you could be an accountant from Bognor Regis. We do not mind. Give us your art. Mm, yes. I've got another project I've been working on as well. That's going to be coming to fruition. Um, I'm actually speaking to an artist about that. But they're much more cartoony. Sometimes you just have to Google things you like or things mm. that match. Yeah. Um, like I just Googled for the projects I'm working on, it's a kind of a red dwarfy thing. Red dwarf fan art. Found a guy, contacted him, he does commissions, blah, blah, blah. That's a better strategy than me because I was doing some poster research the other day. And I was looking for, I was typing in 80s style horror movie posters, things like that. Evil Dead influence, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And what kept coming up was people on Fiverr. I went on Fiverr for a while, and there were so many people doing artwork for Bollywood. Really? Bollywood films with 80s style movie posters, which I thought was really interesting. Okay. But I think it comes from, it stems from Bollywood's admiration for Hollywood and their influence and their their love for the grand and the epic and the slightly cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. It's that whole thing. Yeah. They're just merging Um, the two together. Yeah. Oh, that's quite cool. I mean, we need to do um, a Bollywood night at some point because have, have you seen some of the action? I have, I have. I mean, yeah, they're just <laughs> they're just on another level. Yes, another level. That might be a good idea actually. Soon, Bollywood, Bollywood evening mm. with samosas and bhajis. Mm. The someone um, was telling me, you know, the dance. Mm. Uh, you do two things. I don't know if this is offensive or not, but I it oh was, good. It was no. It was given to me by an Indian man. Yes. Pet the dog. Screw the light bulb. Pet the dog. Screw the light bulb. Okay, he's standing up. He's, he's petting the dog. He's screwing the light bulb. He's petting the dog. He's screwing the light bulb. He's petting the dog. He also yeah. looks like he needs a wee. No, that was it. That's that's the dance. Okay. There you go. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Thanks for that. Moving on. <laughs> well, that's the end of the show, really. We're ending on a high. We're ending on a high. Ending on a screw the light bulb moment. Yeah. <laughs> if you like what we do, do check us out at www.patreon.com slash Hollowdale Media. Wonderful. You can follow us on Twitter at... Screen Bucket at Screen underscore Bucket. That's it. Or Hollowdale Media as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, well, until next time. Until next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, screen Bucketeers. Yes, indeed. Goodbye. Tally ho, tally ho. Bye, bye, bye.